Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to this month's uh, Nordeo on Your Mind podcast, the second in what we hope will be a long-running series following on from last month's uh, Artificial Intelligence Opener. My name is Martin O'Rourke, and I'm the Chief Editor at Nordea Markets. Today, we're going to be looking at how large corporate corporates fund, fund themselves and the evolution of that funding, particularly in the last decade or so. If you're a Nordea on Your Mind regular, you'll no doubt already have your copy of this month's publication, which we've entitled The Financial Life Jacket. But if you're a newcomer, then we suggest you log on to nordeamarkets.com where you'll find the links you need to download your copy. Today we have with us Nordea On Your Mind authors Johan Trockme and Victor Sonebeck to take us through some of the key findings and talking points that arise out of this month's report. Johan is Director of Thematics Nordea Research and Victor is Associate in Thematics Research. Johan, welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, Victor, welcome. Thank you very much. Well, uh, I think, like we did last month, let, let's let's start with the title first. It is, a, of course, like all good headlines, quite a provocative one. Um, the suggestion of jeopardy inherent in, quote, financial life jacket, unquote, certainly throws up some vivid images. And it's only in the last day or two that many of us will have watched with horror a stricken Norwegian cruise ship take a battering while passengers, many of them in their 70s, were winched to safety in extreme weather. Um, while that analogy is maybe a little bit stretched, um, it's, it's, it seems that financing could possibly be facing troubled times. But before we delve too deeply into that, and we certainly will be returning to this, this theme, um, we do need to get a, a, start, a clear handle at the beginning of how corporates fund themselves. Um, so, Johan, if you could set the picture, please. Sure. And just to be clear, we obviously didn't have any sort of scenario like what you described in mind when choosing that title. But sometimes you can just get reminded uh, of how appropriate the choice of title might be, because this is conceptually the, the, the kind of thing we had in mind in, in, in deciding on having a title like that. Uh, but starting with the basics, as you say, uh, looking at large corporates, how they fund themselves, well, just to establish what it's about, uh, any company would, of course, have its equity capital, the the money that owners, founders have put in to begin with, uh, the capital carrying the most, most risk within the business. But in addition to that uh, starting capital, the equity capital, uh, there are different options for corporates for uh, where to borrow money uh, to use as debt uh, to fuel the business. Uh, and, and then the classical uh, instrument of choice would be loans, typically from banks, could also be from agencies, uh, state-owned or state-sponsored organizations like the European Investment Bank, for instance. Uh, and then in addition to that, you would have what we call capital markets, debt capital markets funding. Uh, and, and that would be not really going to a financial intermediary like, like a bank uh, asking for a loan, but to actually go straight to investors wanting to invest money to get a return on that money. And the way corporates would access them and their funds would be to issue debt securities, bonds, uh, if we're talking longer duration instruments, um, being able to keep the money for a while before having to pay it back. Or if you want shorter term instruments, what you would call commercial paper, which would have a maturity of less than a year. Um, so those would be the, the, the basic instruments or, or sources of funding available to a large corporate. And um, we're talking, obviously, you're, you're talking there in, in, in a global sense, I take it. Is, has there been any sense that, that what happens in Scandinavia is different from uh, what happens around the world? 
there are regional differences in the world in how large corporates fund themselves. Uh, and the Nordic region would have been more similar to Europe than the US, which is the, the world's most advanced uh, capital market. Um, and uh, that is still the case today, although there has been quite significant change, as you said, in the past decade or even for longer than that, actually, but particularly in the past decade in how large corporates in the Nordic region uh, fund themselves. Okay, um, we're touching on a similar theme here, but um, Victor, if I may, if I may bring you in here at this point, um, how has the mix of funding evolved uh, for Nordic large corporates? Uh, so, what we've done in this uh, study is to look at some uh, eighty large Nordic uh, corporates uh, and looked at how their debt composition has evolved since two thousand and six. Uh, and what we've seen is this quite interesting change where. Um, back in 2006, we had a pretty large reliance on bank loans uh, amongst these corporates. Uh, whereas, as of now, we see that uh, the corporate bond market has become uh, increasingly popular and has become even more important for the corporates when it comes to, to funding themselves. Uh, so, for example, if we look at these 80 companies, we split them up into 40 companies, which are S&P rated. Uh, and we look at uh, 40 unrated companies uh, to take into account the uh, accessibility, if you will, uh, of the funding markets. Uh, and for these rated companies, we have gone from uh, corporate bonds being 38% of their debt funding in 2006 to uh, as high as 53% uh, as of 2017. And for the, uh, the uh, unrated borrowers, we have a significantly lower starting point at uh, 7% only. Uh, but this has increased uh, quite dramatically to 19%, uh, which is uh, uh, touching upon what uh, Yuan describes if we look at the American market, uh, how the Nordic market has become more uh, mature, if you will, uh, and it's starting to look more and more as uh, the European and the, and the American markets. And if we dig a bit deeper and look into this, uh, this uh, uh, composition, uh, we find, of course, then that since bank uh, or since bond loans, um, corporate bonds uh, have increased, uh, we see that bank loans have decreased as a share of debt funding. And if we look at this, uh, this uh, bank loan segment, we see that the amount of outstanding loans, so short-term and long-term outstanding bank loans, have decreased quite dramatically. But at the same time, the corporates have kept uh, quite a large uh, backup facility, so quite large uh, uh, RCFs, uh, which to us suggests that they have kept this backup as, uh, as a financial security while instead looking to corporate markets uh, or corporate bond markets uh, to fund themselves. So we have more uh, sources of, of funding, essentially. Surely everybody should be happy, no? Well, uh it, it, is, uh, it is a good thing. Uh, and then at the same time, being more dependent on capital markets funding means that you have other things that you also need to consider as a borrower. Uh, because there are differences in cap between capital markets funding and bank funding. Uh, and, and that's one of the key things we want to flag in this report, that now that the mix has changed, it's good to remind corporate borrowers that this is the case and that it means that in any future environment of less benign debt capital markets, uh, there needs to be a, a, a readiness on part of the corporates to be able to deal with that. We've talked about this evolution briefly, we've touched upon it, but why has the mix uh, changed so much in the last uh, decade or so? 
That's a very good question. And, and this is really one of the key reasons why we wanted to look into this topic and, and actually write about it. We were also curious to see how much has it changed and, and what's made it change so much. And I, I, I would try and sum it up as there having been uh, a very major push factor and a very major pull factor. And if we start with the pull factor, well, it has really everything to do with interest rates being very, very low. Compared with historical levels way back in history, we have ultra low interest rates today. And, and, and that being the case means that a lot of investors out there are having challenges in having to find a return on their asset portfolios. If you're going to pay pensions to beneficiaries in the future, you need to generate the return from which to take the money to pay those pensions. And if you have very, very low returns on all those safe government bonds you have in your asset portfolio, you need to look elsewhere to find a yield. And that has meant that corporate debt securities, corporate bonds have become a very, very interesting instrument, offering less risk than equities, but more risk than government bonds, but also a higher yield than government bonds. And this has meant that there has been a very strong demand for corporate bonds. Uh, so, so this has been a, a very strong push factor, meaning that markets have been strong, uh, allowing corporates to tap into corporate bond markets uh, for funding at very, very attractive terms. And then there's been a major push factor as well, which has to do with regulations. And after the global financial crisis, there has been, of course, a, a very, very strong uh, political movement uh, or, or societal demands on the banks to make them safer, to avoid any additional future banking crisis. Uh, and this has meant that regulations of the banking sector, of banks, have been tightened, meaning that banks now, after the financial crisis, need to hold bigger capital reserves for the business, the lending that they do. And that has changed the economics of corporate lending. Um, how great a return, how, how much of a profit you make on lending money to corporates is different today compared with what it was 10, 15 years ago. And therefore, the banks have also had very, very strong incentives to encourage corporates to look for funding elsewhere than in the banks. And these two factors in combination have been the key drivers, I would argue, for why we have seen such a big shift among large corporates towards funding themselves in bond markets rather than, to quite the same extent, directly from the banks as in the past. And what are the risks? As I mentioned earlier, the key thing to consider, to keep in mind for a corporate, is that the availability historically of bond funding has been more volatile than the availability of bank funding. There is a difference there in that the banks have business relationships with the large corporates. They, they don't necessarily only offer them loans, they offer them other services and products too, like cash management, like various forms of advice, transaction services. And there is a very typically deep level of understanding of the large corporate and its business and, and, and the risks in that business uh, by the bank. And that means that even in periods of a less benign capital market environment, when there is a correction in the market, the bank has been able to offer credit uh, to a greater extent than perhaps bond investors or commercial paper investors have in such a more turbulent market environment. Now, if you have a greater share of your funding coming from debt capital markets, that means that you will be, as a corporate, more at the mercy of is the market environment strong? Is it good? Will I be able to refinance bonds maturing if at the time when they mature, we have a more choppy market environment? Mm -hmm. There's a, you know, we've, we've talked about um, 
in financial circles, we've talked about the new normal ever since the great financial crisis, of course, and the year of low interest and so on. I mean, but in terms of in terms of this 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 segment, this this way of financing, and I, I'm going to put this one to you, Victor. Is is this the new normal, or or do you think we'll eventually return to what we used to have? So if we look at the dynamics at play here, uh, as you describes it as the, the push and the, the pull factor, uh, we can start off by, by talking about the, the push factor. We must ask ourselves the question, do we think that bank regulation will become you know, loosened? Do we think it's going to be easier for banks? And I think for us here, we would say that uh, that is probably pretty unlikely. Uh, so we see the push factors as being pretty, pretty stable. Um, but if we then turn to the, the pull factor, and look instead at market demand for for these type of types of uh, investments. Um, we see that there is uh, there's a sentiment aspect to it. So this hunt for yield uh, that you describes, where investors have tried to find these riskier assets uh, to put their capital in uh, to get uh, get higher returns in in their funds. Uh, if that dynamic were to be affected, let's say that we see rising interest rates. Uh, or even just the fear of rising interest rates, then that would affect this uh, uh, this pull factor, and we could see that the the appetite for corporate bonds uh, become weaker. Um, and what this this would mean is that, uh, as we show in the report, we see that there is uh, there is quite the volatility uh, in these markets, uh, where yearly issuance can can fluctuate quite a bit. Uh, now, do we think that this this risk of interest rates are, is going to close the markets? Well, that's probably pretty unlikely. Uh, but as we see in terms of outstanding volumes uh, and volumes maturing, uh, it might not need to be closed in order to to uh, be a problematic environment. Uh, because if we look back in history, we see that uh, previous volatility, even if it's uh, even if it's not that much, but longer term. We see that it can affect uh, can affect uh, the corporate's availability of funding uh, because you have such uh, such a huge amount that needs uh, refinancing. Uh, so the risk we see here is not the markets closing entirely, but rather that we see either prolonged uh, volatility or uh, some kind of sharp drawdown uh, due to uh, investor sentiment. And you know we're talking here about investor sentiment. How do wider themes play into this? You know, on the on the macro scale, like you know what is happening with the global economy, uh, the trade war, et cetera, et cetera. All, all of these things, all of these things affect market sentiment. Uh, what kind of risk appetites do investors have? And, and and the typical pattern is that the shakier things get in general, if uncertainty rises, investors will gravitate towards safer instruments. And that would mean that well, you might as an investor rather own a corporate bond than a share because the risk is less. But at the same time, you might still prefer to own a government bond or a highly rated government bond over a corporate bond. So there's some sort of scale here in which instruments money will flow into and which money will flow out of. Uh, and, and, and all these things you mentioned matter for what the market environment will be like. And, and, and the difference, as I touched upon earlier, is that if you compare again on a relative sort of scale, uh, how resilient would bank funding be? How available would bank funding be to a large corporate with a good credit profile compared with how available would corporate bond funding be? Well, bank funding would be, relatively speaking, more available in an environment like that. Okay. Um, we kind of touched upon this, uh, you know, is, 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 uh, is it good or bad for corporates? Uh, 
um, to use more bond funding. But I, I don't know if you want to expand on that, Johan, or if you feel, feel we've covered it already. I, I think there is one thing I'd like to add, Martin, and, and if, if you'll allow me to borrow again the phrase that, that we brought up a couple of times, the new normal. I think it, in, in, it, it kind of makes sense to use it as a phrase in, in that we have seen a, a very, very dramatic development when it comes to uh, corporate bond issuance by, by Nordic large corporates. And, and looking back at, back at the pre-crisis era between 2000 and 2008, we had, roughly speaking, an annual level of issuance of about 10 billion euros worth of corporate bonds by Nordic large corporates. So that's the level we had before. Now, from 2012, after having gone through the global financial crisis of 2008 and nine, and then after that, the Greece or the euro crisis in 2011-12, from 2012 onwards, annual issuance has been more like 35 billion euros roughly per annum. So we're talking more than a trebling of the level that we had before the global financial crisis. So it is, as I said, a pretty dramatic development. Now the point about this is that if bond funding, for whatever reason, for whatever driver there would be for there being a a hiccup in, in that capital markets, well then that level that we're on, if that's the new normal, well then then there is quite a bit of volume that that could be lost. And historically, when we've had periods with a more shaky market environment, the downside for bond issuance has been roughly 10 billion euros or so. So so the point here is that if the corporates in the Nordic region are in some sort of run rate at getting 35 or so billion euros per year of funding, if there was a hiccup in the market, 10 out of those 35 might not at that time be available any longer. And then that funding would have to be found somewhere else. And the typical place to go would, of course, be the banks. So as a corporate, it's just good to be aware that if a third of the market might perhaps, as an illustration at least, be at risk because of any market hiccup, you need to think about, okay, what will we do then? And if the banks aren't willing to pick up the slack? Let's not think about that, shall we? That could, uh, that, could, that could be a very, very worrisome situation to end up in. But again, the point is about having thought about what to do in such a scenario, however unlikely, rather than just assuming that the new normal will continue to roll. So it's uh, good contingency planning. Yeah. Just like we're seeing in uh, the UK at the moment. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Great example. Um, what does Nordea do? Uh, in regards to this, I mean, let's you know, let's let's bring up the the, the title again, the financial life jacket. What, what what's Nordea's uh, approach yeah. to this? So, so in this area, we have our uh, fantastic colleagues in the debt solutions and structuring team uh, in Nordea Investment Banking, uh, and they advise on things such as um, capital structure and credit ratings. If you're you're looking into that as a corporate. Uh, and I mean, as Nordea, being a very large bank in the Nordics, uh, we have the possibility to offer corporate clients uh, a complete range of financing solutions. Um, so I mean, it could be anything from bridge financing to loans or corporate bonds, asset-backed financing, um, etc. Uh, and if we look towards uh, towards uh, the equity side, we, we can talk about equity or, or equity-like instruments such as convertibles or, or hybrid capital. Um, but, but I think the, the, the important aspect of this, uh, of this process, because it is a process, is the, the continuous dialogue um, between the bank uh, and the clients. Because in order to, to get to this more solution-specific discussions, uh, it is very important to have the understanding of, of the needs of the corporate. 
So in terms of uh, financial or, or strategic flexibility, for example. Uh, and as I said before, I mean, this is an ongoing relationship and ongoing discussion. So it, it, it's primarily advisory or it's more than that, would, would you say? Uh, I, I, would, I would say that, that it's uh, the starting point uh, would be just having this understanding and being able to advise. Uh, and then the next step is looking into what solutions can we as a bank offer our clients based on what, uh, what they need. Uh, and the answer to that is uh, is probably everything they're looking at in terms of, of financing. Uh, since Nordea is, is uh, the largest Nordic bank. Okay. So look, we, 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 we've set the picture. We, we, we understand what's out there and in the environment and so on. And given that, what would you be telling a corporate to do um, in the current situation, Johan? And this is really what it all boils down to, right? If, if we have these considerations, potential concerns, if there is any point in the future where we see some kind of market hiccup or correction again, which I think we can more or less assume that there will be at some point, and then we shall see how severe it might be, uh, what do you do? What, what can you do? And, and as we touched upon very briefly earlier, it, it's, it's really about being prepared, uh, about thinking in advance of, okay, what could happen? And how would we then deal with it? And the, and the difference compared with in the past and now is that a bigger chunk of the funding that the Nordics here in the Nordic region have today comes from the capital markets. And that means that a bigger chunk of the funding that they have in place is exposed to, is the market going to be there? Is the window open or will it actually close or be slightly open rather than fully open? And that means that the need would be greater at this starting point for having this thought about what to do if that happens than it was 10 years ago when you might not be might not have been at that time as dependent on it and and okay what does it mean to be prepared it means i think uh, a good way to look at it would be to have some sort of a checklist you have a sort of contingency plan that you can pull out of your drawer and see okay so now it's starting to be more difficult here um what can we do what should we do and, and the first point on that checklist would be to just ensure that you have an updated, a fresh view of how sensitive are we? What's going to happen to our business if we have a more weak macro environment that we suddenly start to see materializing around us? How vulnerable are we? What's going to happen to our cash generation in that kind of environment? And then you, you get a feel for how urgent is this going to be. Then you look at which are the sort of key financial ratios or credit metrics that are critical for us to try and try and protect, to, to ensure that we stay a strong credit profile, that we continue to be hopefully a company that lenders want to fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can vary in terms of the exact metrics, depending on if you have a rating, if you don't have a rating, which rating institute, etc. But what it all boils down to is debt and cash flow and liquidity. And on that third one out of those, liquidity, well, that's the first line of defense. And that would also be on the checklist, I think. Uh, You need to ensure what level of cash do we have in the business? What liquidity reserves do we have? How long can we live off them for our business needs and our refinancing needs before we have to turn to lenders for additional financing? Okay, so I think I've got one question left, and we we possibly touched upon it when we discussed the new normal. But if we were to take a a crystal ball out and look ahead to, let's say, 2030, Mm -hmm. would you see the trend that we're currently in now as one that's going to continue, or do you you anticipate uh, uh, a structural change again? If I had to venture a guess on, on, on the direction here, I would probably expect that the 
trend we're seeing now is going to continue in the sense that the share of capital markets funding for large corporates here in the Nordic region would continue to increase. But that would be between now through the years leading out to 2030. And I think during that journey, I would be personally very surprised if it were a straight line and we would just see that share go up and up and up every year. But I would expect that there would be some sort of turbulence or volatility happening at some point or at several points between now and 2030. Uh, so not a straight line, but direction-wise, I think that's the way we're going to head. It's, a, it's an all things being equal yes. assessment. Yes. Okay. Look, I I think uh, I think that's been great. Um, I'd just like to say thank you very much, Johan, for your time today. Thank Victor, you. thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. And uh, look forward to getting this on again next month.